Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to We Gotta Talk, where it's all about real talk on big topics. Ooh, I'm using my newscaster voice. <laughs> Sometimes I revert, you know, to my old my old habits as a TV person. Um, how are you guys? Oh, yeah, we're on the other side of a really crazy week here in Florida. And we have no guests this week on the show, but a little bit of a catch up. This week has been busy, to say the least. I have to start off by saying my thoughts and prayers are going out to everyone impacted by Ian. Hurricane Ian was an unmitigated catastrophe, just absolutely horrible for our friends on the West and South, um, Southwest and that whole side of Florida. So um, I'm going to share with you how our experience was, but, but noting with, you know, a huge amount of awareness that this was not that easy for most people in Florida. So we're in Orlando and, you know, by the time storms make their way here, the land kind of like eats it up. I'm not a meteorologist, but I've, I worked in news and listened to meteorologists long enough to know. Like the basic idea is that, you know, this is a little science 101, okay? So just take out your notebooks. <laughs> just kidding. I hope I'm explaining this correctly, but basically the land eats up the strength of the storm. So as a storm passes over land, it loses strength because it gains strength when it pulls up the water and everything from the ocean and, you know, the water that it passes over. So by the time it hits land, it's essentially like a car without gas. It's just slowly peters out the longer it travels over land. So being that we are centrally located in Orlando, we and especially we even kind of veer to the right, to the east portion of the state, um, we don't get the strong, strong, catastrophically high winds all the time with hurricanes. We have gotten strong winds before, but um, it works in our favor that we're inland. So we had a little camp out session last week. My sister and her kids were here and we kept power and we had minor damage to, you know, just landscaping and things falling around the yard and but very, very minor relative to what everyone else is dealing with. The trampoline was a little busted up, but it's wild. We had that. We had three kids sick. Did you know that RSV, which is a like a cough, an extremely sometimes dangerous cough in infants and babies, can also be caught by adults and older kids? And when you catch it, it's not called RSV, but it's still the most insanely, ridiculously long cough Long and, 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 and like strong cough you can imagine getting. So we've all been taken down with the exception of me knocking on all the wood by RSV, ear infection, pink eye over the past week. Um, it all started when my son had a fever and a headache and then my youngest daughter caught it and she had the cough and she coughed so hard on the night of the hurricane. Our house sounds like it's you know, like a, like a locomotion is driving outside and I'm sleeping on the couch with my five-year-old propped up on me because every time she lies down, she hacks so hard and she was coughing so hard the night of the hurricane that she was throwing up. And so that was great. <laughs> and then my other daughter got pink eye, which also, you know, this show was just full of like medical and science news. So you're welcome. Um, also I didn't know this, 
you can get what looks like pink eye and it can be viral. So news alert, I thought she had pink eye, but it turns out she might've had all of this redness in her eyes from the virus that she probably also caught from her brother and sister. And then Andrew got it and he's been, it's literally nearly two weeks straight of this hacking cough, all of these symptoms. Somehow I managed to evade it all. It was like, God was like, you know what? We got to keep one of you on, on two feet. So here we are. Um, I wanted to just catch you guys up on what's happening around here, who we're going to be hearing from on the podcast on the next couple of weeks, all that good stuff. We have to talk about this Jeffrey Dahmer show first off, though. So this is, um, I mean, unless you've been not watching or consuming any media over the past several weeks, um, you probably know by now that Netflix put out this, I don't know, are we calling it a documentary? It's a show about Jeffrey Dahmer, the notorious serial killer, cannibal, and just overall horrible human being. Um, And this show, I have to read you some of the stats because this show is blowing up. And this is something we got to talk about today because there's been a lot of discussion around this show in particular. So let's see here. Um, It is breaking records. Okay, I'm just reading this really quick. Um, I think... Let's see, hundred, okay. The first chunk was watched for, hold on one second, 301 million hours in the span of a week. 335 million hours in the second chunk. So this is all according to Netflix and their sort of data they collect around this. And We've been hearing a lot of criticism online recently about why people find it so entertaining. True crime as a genre is not obviously new. People have been fascinated by things, evil things that people have done, illegal things, bad things. I mean, look at Narcos as a TV show. It's not exactly easy watching watching people get tortured and murdered over drugs. But again, another show that focuses on very seedy, dangerous, deadly activity that just blew up the ratings. You know, going all the way back to Unsolved Mysteries of the 80s and 90s, I know my elder millennials slash zennials will remember that was sort of the OG true crime show. And that's probably where a lot of people got their first taste for this, their their appreciation of this particular genre. So it was interesting to me to read all of this criticism of Dahmer when True crime has existed as a very popular genre for decades and decades already. Some of the criticism focuses, number one, around how very, very detailed these scenes of murder are in this show. I have to tell you this. If you haven't been watching, the first episode of Dahmer is, and and, and I should put a huge asterisk here, that this is, I don't like true crime. It's not my jam. I have spent, I spent years, I I said this on Instagram the other day, when you work in news or you work, I can imagine this is probably true of people who are in law enforcement or people who are in medicine or people who are in some sort of field where you witness people's trauma either firsthand or you tell their stories secondhand. I'm not eager to go home and like, you know, pop it on and grab a bowl of Doritos and watch it for entertainment. It just doesn't do it for me. Um, 
I have so many friends who devour true crime podcasts and TV shows and the first 48 and CSI, even Law and Order to an extent, which, you know, always has those grisly scenes at the beginning of a show. Um, So this isn't a judgment call on people who enjoy that, but I feel like I should firmly go on record and say this was a deviation from my normal television and entertainment tastes. I'm not entertained by people's literal worst case scenarios, murder, death, destruction. I'm like a Ted Lasso kind of gal, you know? (laughs) Give me a palate cleanser. Give me, I mean, outlander, you know? Give me time travel and, you know, saucy romantic scenes. This is just not my jam. So I was really out of my comfort zone even watching this in the first place, but we were stuck inside with the hurricane and my sister who happens to be like a massive true crime fan. I mean, she falls asleep to the first 48. Can you imagine what level? I can't. She actually, (laughs) this is horrible. She fell asleep watching the first episode of Dahmer with me and Andrew. And Andrew looks over and he's like, I feel like this is true psychopath status that she was able to fall asleep watching this. (laughs) But the truth is she took a melatonin, so no judgment there. But anyhow, um, the first episode of this series is so intensely uncomfortable to watch. It's all about his attempt at killing what would have been his final victim and essentially how he gets caught. So it's a series that starts at the end. So... You're witnessing him in this like dingy, grungy, disgusting apartment. He goes to the bar. He tries to lure who would be his last victim. It shows you him bringing the man back to his apartment. It shows all the gruesome things. It's 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 perverted um, in the way that he treats his victims. It's grisly. It's they're they're showing hacking and you see blood. It's just a lot. So I wasn't even really able to, I can't fully attest to the intensity of it all because there were times when I fully covered my eyes and did that thing where I like made a sound la 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 in my ears so I couldn't even hear it. Um, but you get through that first episode and then it becomes in two, three, and four, I think we're on five right now, more about the character development, let's say, of Jeffrey Dahmer and how he got to be who he is. And um, to me, that was easier to watch. But anyway, let's get back to the criticism. So that's criticism number one, um, that it's just, it's so gory that it's almost impossible to consider it entertainment. It does. It feels borderline um, sociopathic watching it. Does that make sense? Like it feels... It feels like if you watch this, if you're able to watch this and not have a visceral reaction, you might have to go get a mental evaluation because it's so disturbing and the actor is so good. Um, Another criticism has been, and this is an interesting thing that I want to look into more with you guys today. Um, A lot of the, not a lot of, a handful of the victims' families have come forward saying um, they're not comfortable with this being made into entertainment this was obviously representative of the worst days of their lives when when their family members were murdered and tortured by an insane evil man. So understandably, not something the victims' families would would run or relive. Um, and you've had every 
everything from celebrities to sort of just regular people on social media calling for everyone to boycott this series because they believe that watching these things sort of happen and like be recreated is is downright cruel. Here are um, here are some things that were said about this series. Um, the sister of one of his victims says this series is harsh and careless. She said, when I saw some of the show, it bothered me, especially when I saw myself, when I saw my name come across the screen and this lady saying verbatim exactly what I said. A lot of Dahmer's victims were black and gay between, uh, I, it kind of spreads out over whatever, the 10 part series, like when he murdered whom, but Apparently, many of his victims were black and gay, and there's a lot of reaction from the black community of whether or not this is, um, you know, necessary to reinflict the trauma of these crimes on not only the victims' families, but also considering its impact on the black community. I, I there are a lot of thoughts that I have when I read these criticisms of the show. Um, I, I I agree that this is probably an intensely uncomfortable thing for um, families of these victims to watch. And I can understand um, from even even the viewpoint of a woman, how disturbing it is to watch people who are like you being victimized for entertainment on screen. So I stand behind that criticism, but I think it should cause us to pause and reflect on not only this series, but what we've been inter- quote unquote entertaining ourselves with for decades and decades. When you look back at the history of true crime, many of the victims in these stories are women, women and children, pregnant women. Um, you know, for decades, women have watched this be called entertainment, the retelling of the Lacey Peterson story, the John Benet Ramsey story, um, any, any and every big true crime situation that's been remade for TV or even made into a podcast. I mean, let's not pretend that women haven't been the subject of this for so long. So it's curious to me why this is all just now starting to be an issue when we've seen ourselves on screen being the victims um, in all of these retellings and, you know, revisions or whatever, like dramatic reinterpretations of crimes for years. So I think this should cause us to pause and reflect on the genre in general, maybe not just the Dahmer series, but maybe this is a moment of awakening for everyone who is obsessed with that genre. What, why are we so entertained watching women get killed on screen? Why I, I said this in, on Instagram the other day too. I mean, even fictionalized, um, you know, drama and, and, and scenes of murder on TV always, I mean, they usually revolve around women. Think about the Halloween series. Think about the scream series. It's the young girl in her room. Um, here's a sound comes out, gets brutally hacked to death by a butcher knife in her own hallway. I mean, this isn't new. We've been victimizing women and minorities on screen for entertainment for a long time. So, um, you know, maybe the problem isn't just this series. Maybe the problem is humankind's desire to witness this type of brutality. Um, maybe we use this as a moment to just say, huh, 
Are there better ways we could be spending our time? And this isn't meant to be a judgment on people who consume that type of media because I understand that there's some, there's a level of interest in the human mind and how it can be capable of this type of atrocity. And I do think that's what Dahmer manages to, as, as a series, manages to explore, at least in the first half, with some nuance and depth and interest. I mean, that to me is the interesting stuff. Uh, seeing how this man grew up, the, the various things that happened to him in his interactions with his classmates, his interactions with his family that helped to shape the man that he became, the things that maybe he was born with. That to me is the interesting thing. And I do think there's a problem with showing too much murder and death and gore and blood on screen. And I do kind of think it's a red flag if as humans, we become too comfortable with that type of entertainment. So, you know, I just, I, I have such a reaction when I read this because, um, you know, it's it's something that's been shown on screens for decades and decades and decades now. I mean, I'm thinking even back to, um, God, the shower scene. Why am I blanking on this? Uh, the shower scene, short-term memory. Um, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Why, am, why can I not think of this? Alfred Hitchcock movie. Oh, Psycho. Oh my God, everyone's like, Psycho. They're like screaming it in their car. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, a beautiful woman, again, getting hacked to death on screen. What happens? It becomes one of the most watched movies in the history of American cinema. Our grotesque infatuation with death really has nothing to do with what color your skin is. It has to do with the fact that a lot of humans are apparently really morbidly interested in this kind of stuff. So, okay, not that anyone's asking, but <laughs> I'll share my thoughts as far as what we do next. Um, maybe this is a point in time where as consumers of media, we kind of check ourselves and ask ourselves why we are drawn to this or... What level of gore and that type of that type of sort of TV and film that how much of that we consider okay to consume? And I wish I could say that we would speak and vote with our wallets, but it's becoming abundantly clear that people are voting with their eyes and with their time in favor of this stuff. And obviously I'm watching it too, and I have a really complicated relationship consuming this type of thing. Um but it's interesting. I would say, you know, maybe we focus on the psychological side of these types of things more than we put the death and gore on a platter and serve that up to viewers. Anyhow, I'm curious to see what you guys think, because this um, this is something that just, you know, the story kind of continues to develop. People are still sharing their opinions um, on this series, um, you know, as new episodes are are being watched. So what do we think? Okay, let's take a, sh let's make a sharp left turn <laughs> and stop talking about d death and destruction. Yay. We have, um, a bunch of fun guests coming up in the next several weeks on, we got to talk. And I just wanted to briefly share those with you. So if you pop over to the live show next week or catch the new episode, when it comes out next Thursday, you're going to hear much more about the topic of making money through manifestation, how to work with money as a masculine energy to support your desires for a better life. We're going to be interviewing Jocelyn Reed, and she is um, 
an expert on the art of manifestation. I know we covered this a while back, but we wanted to really dial down on the specific topic of using manifestation to earn more money. And that is one of her areas of expertise. So we're going to dive into why, um, why this works, some practical tips for how to start changing your mindset so that you can earn more money, um, all that good stuff. The 26th of October, I'm delighted to bring back, we got to talk favorite, Conscious Lee, who is a social media sensation. We should ask him what he thinks of the Jeffrey Dahmer series. So last time we had Lee uh, consciously on last year, we dove into racism uh, as a broad topic. We were going to get into so much more, but our conversation ended up focusing on racism in America, his take as a black man on where we stand and on issues of equality, diversity, what what conversations he's having in his life and on social media with his followers to kind of break down the more difficult conversations around that. So that's going to be on the 26th of October. He's fantastic. And I feel like he's one of those guests that ends up, I don't know, like somehow changing people's minds. Does that make sense? He's just, uh, I love his perspective. We're also going to be interviewing, I'm also going to be interviewing an expert, a doctor on the topic of cancer prevention. So this one is going to be released kind of uh, squeezed in se- between several live episodes of We Gotta Talk because unfortunately I can't get her live, but her name is Dr. Laura Vader and she is not only an MD, but she is she's a gastrointestinal oncologist, she's a writer and a speaker, and she talks a lot about the specific things you can do to prevent cancer, to prevent um, pathological disease, to prevent yourself from, you know... Uh, you know, dealing with any serious illness, essentially. She also does a lot of online education about doctor burnout and how we're mistreating, essentially, our doctors in America with the schedules that they keep and the responsibilities they have. So I hope to touch on that a little bit as well. She's a really, really, really interesting lady. And um, that's also going to be in mid-October. All right. And one other guest I just wanted to put on your radar is Tanya Dalton. We're going to talk with this uh, author and expert about JOMO, the joy of missing out. So often you hear about FOMO and how people feel like if they're not at the right party or if they're not doing the same thing as their friends or if they're not at the right spot, you know, like hotspot, they're missing out somehow in life. Tanya's whole... um, sort of area of expertise is on simplifying our lives, how to reject the pressure to do more and instead focus on honing in on simpler ways to find your purpose, to reprioritize your life, to simplify, which I feel like we all need a lot of. So we're going to be talking with her in October as well. Okay, and um, that's it for a preview of what's coming up. The new rebrand for the site is coming out. I can't wait. I've been working so hard to grow up my site and to grow up my branding. You know, we're, we're evolving. Um, quick Hollywood roundup before we go. Just thoughts and prayers with Tom and Giselle. This goes to show you guys that no matter how much money and prestige and success, whatever you have in life, it's all the same for all of us at the end of the day. We're all working to make our relationships work and our families work. And it, I just, you know, I just feel so bad she feels so bad that it's come to this, that they're both, at least as of this moment, either in the process of hiring divorce, lawyer, divorce lawyers or have 
I don't know, obviously, <laughs> newsflash, I don't know them personally. <laughs> um, I don't know anything about it, but it just makes me sad. You know, I, I kind of want to blame Tom Brady because I just, by default, kind of always, you know, go on the ladies' side. But who knows what really happened? I just hope that whatever agreement they reach, that it's like, best for them and their kids and uh, men behaving badly category adam levine world's unsexiest sexter um have you read read the dms that he sent to these women he was like omg your ass like very <laughs> i feel like he could use you know a primer anyhow apparently his wife is standing by him in the wake of um cheating allegations do we consider it cheating to dm with a woman on social media i do personally call me old-fashioned but i know there are people out there who think unless like the physical deal was sealed that there's actually no crime committed but um she's pregnant so you know as if she's not dealing with enough already now she has to kind of Shoulder the burden of her slimy, sleazy men. Here's a PSA for men. Be less predictable. Be less predictable every time something like this happens. I just want to be proven wrong that you're not all the same. I truly do. I do think there are some, quote, good guys out there. You know, there's a small handful of them. But without fail, every time you look, you're able to say, well, look at those guys. They made it in Hollywood. Or even a couple that you know, look at them. They're making it work after, you know, 20 years. It's just men are so wildly predictable. The midlife crisis of it all, the cheating of it all, the the wanting, you know, the grass is greener syndrome of it all. They're always like, I just, straight men just prove us wrong. That's all we ask of you. In the next several decades, as presumably humans continue to evolve mentally and emotionally, and we become, uh, you know, more evolved beings in general, Prove us wrong, please. Show us that you're good. Show us that you're good and capable of commitment and of just like the very basic things that you signed up for when you married people. Okay, thank you, bye. Um, that's it, guys. Um, just a heads up that there is subscriber content now available on Instagram. So all the beauty stuff, I'm still gonna be talking a lot on my channel about beauty here and there, but I'm trying to focus all of that extra talk about creams and potions and lotions on the subscriber portion of Instagram. So some of it will be free. Some of it's going to be behind the subscriber wall. Mama's got to make a dime. We're saving up for the Italian villa. This is my dream. This is my manifestation. I will make enough money, probably not on Instagram, <laughs> but I'm putting this out in the universe. This is my audio visual board, audio vision board, right? This is my like spoken version of my vision board to be able to afford a second home in Italy so that I can escape with my family when things go really south here. So there we go. Um, we're finding new ways to diversify the income stream, okay? But do check out Instagram. All of um, the subscriber stuff is just a lot of really fun beauty talk. I feel like I've interviewed so many incredible experts in that field and boiling down some of the really useful and helpful things that they've said, products they recommend, um, sort of tips and tricks for how to keep your skin looking good or what procedures, injectables you might want to look into for certain problems. I'm going to start going back through all of the old library of content and putting that all on Instagram so you can have it in one place, expert advice on all things beauty. So check out the subscriber page for that, as well as my recommendations, things that I've tried, spent my money on, whether it worked or didn't work, product reviews, the whole shebang. That's it. 
I meant to just hop on here and talk about Jeffrey Dahmer, but we ended up talking about so much more. Great. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog. 